Today on the Doc on the Run podcast, we're talking about why doctors misdiagnose runners. Hi, I'm Dr. Christopher Segler, and thanks for tuning in to the Doc on the Run podcast, where we help you understand how to keep training and running even if you've been injured. All I do is talk to runners who are injured and want to run. And 99% of the time when a runner calls me for advice, it's because they aren't getting better and they want a second opinion. Well, much of the time, the runner has been misdiagnosed. If you don't have the right diagnosis, you will be doing the right treatment for the wrong problem and you're not going to get better. In this session, we're going to talk about the top six reasons doctors come up with the wrong diagnosis when you're injured. Okay, so the very first reason that doctors seem to come up with the wrong diagnosis when they've seen somebody who's a runner who's been running, training, you know, they did a marathon, did an ultramarathon, whatever, and they get injured, and then they go see a doctor, and the doctor makes the wrong call and says that you actually have a condition that's not really a thing that's bothering you. Well, the number one reason that happens is that your injury sounds typical. So what do I mean by that? Well, if your running injury sounds typical, then it misleads the doctor. So whether you know it or not, you know, you think that you come in and you tell the doctor your story and then your doctor looks for the problem and that the story that you give, the history, the stuff you write on the intake form when you go into the doctor's office or what you tell the nurse when you walk into the doctor's office, you always think that that's a precursor to the doctor figuring out whether or not you have a specific running injury. But the truth is, is that the history is the most important component of a runner's diagnosis. So if you know the whole story behind what happened to you, and that story fits closely with something like a metatarsal stress fracture. For example, if you have pain on the top of your foot and you go in, you say, okay, I have this pain on the top of my foot. You know, I was running, I was training a lot, I was doing okay. And then when I did a 50 mile trail race or when I did like my last long run, I started getting this aching pain in the top of my foot. The doctor is almost certainly gonna start thinking that the number one thing on the list is a stress fracture. So that list is what doctors call the differential diagnosis. And that's just really a term for the list of the things that are probably going to be wrong with you based on your story. So when you tell your story, the doctor comes up with a list of probable causes of your injury, your complaint, whatever. And then basically the physical exam that they do when they actually start poking and prodding on your foot, well, that's just part of the process of ruling out some of the things on the list. But the problem is, is that stress fractures are really, really common and they're really, really typical. So if you're ramping up, you're increasing your mileage, you get this aching pain in your foot and it seems to correlate directly with that increase in mileage, most likely thing for sure is a metatarsal stress fracture. It's not the only thing, it's just the most common thing. Then if your doctor examined things too closely, they may just assume you have a stress fracture and tell you to stay off of it, tell you to decrease your activity, maybe tell you to ice it. But if it's mild and it's just an early form of a stress fracture, they may just tell you to slow down and quit running, but that's just because your condition sounds typical. You know, it's not really a stress fracture all the time. And of course, I see runners who've been told to have a stress fracture and they have something completely different. And that happens for all different kinds of conditions. You might've been told you have a neuroma, but you have a plantar plate sprain, or you might've been told that you have a plantar plate sprain and it's a neuroma. But the reason for that most of the time is because the doctor hears what sounds like a convincing story that fits very, very closely with what we expect for that particular condition. So that's the first thing. So, you know, you have to remember when you go in that if your story sounds typically like a cut and dry, this sounds just like a stress fracture, probably a stress fracture, but that's not always the case, but that's reason number one. So, you know, you have to go in knowing that there can be a lot of different conditions. And if you don't respond to that treatment, of course, then you probably have been misdiagnosed. And maybe it's because your story just sounds so much like the diagnosis you were given. That's reason number one. Now, reason number two is that you don't get a chance to tell the full story. So again, when you go in, 
and you start telling the doctor, okay, hey, I was uh, you know, ramping up for my race. I started getting this aching pain in my foot and the doctor listens to you and thinks it's probably a stress fracture. And then says, okay, well, I know what's going on. You know, you're a runner, you guys are nuts. You run way too much. You shouldn't be running all the time anyway. What, 100 miles is crazy. A marathon is crazy. Why would you want to do that anyway? Why do you ride a bike instead? And they just cut you off and they start, they've already then at that point, of course, already made several conclusions about you. Number one, they think you're nuts. Number two, they think you shouldn't be running. Number three, they think that you're gonna want to ride a bicycle or swim as much as you wanna run, which of course is not true, but they don't understand you. They don't understand you're a runner. So, you know, the doctor cuts you off, doesn't hear your whole story. They've already decided also that based on the little part of your story that you gave them, that you have a stress fracture or plantar fasciitis or some other problem. Well, the deal is, is that you have to tell your full story. So if you continue and then say, okay, well, yes, I was ramping up. I did a long run and so on, but you know, I've done this a number of times and never had any problems. I didn't just start running last week. I've been running for 10 years or I've been running for 30 years or whatever it is. Then it's not really that probable that it would just be a stress fracture and something, unless something happened. But then if you start telling them, okay, well, I actually landed on this sharp rock when I was running downhill well, then it's probably going to be something different. It's probably not going to be the same conclusion the doctor would come to. If you said, I just got a new pair of shoes and I actually kind of screwed up. You know, I was at an aid station. I was in a hurry. I was trying to tie my shoes and I tied them a little bit too tight. And then I kind of felt like, you know, when I was running downhill, it was really like this excruciating pain on the top of my foot. But when I was running uphill, when I was running fast on flat ground, it doesn't bother me at all. Well, that doesn't sound like the same problem anymore particularly if you include that part of the story that says, I just laced my laces too tight, or I just bought this new pair of shoes and um, it's a lot more flexible, or it has a lot more rigid heel counter, or there's no padding at all under the tongue of the shoe and I can really feel the laces on the top of my foot. You know, you have to finish your story. And if your doctor doesn't hear your whole story, sometimes they'll come to the wrong conclusion just based on these little bits of your story that they think are the most relevant but you gotta have a chance to tell the whole story. That's reason number two. Now, reason number three is actually a little confusing to patients sometimes. Reason number three is that your foot actually hurts too much the day you go and see the doctor. So if your foot hurts too much the day of your doctor visit, you can confuse the doctor, believe it or not. And now an ankle sprain is probably the best example of this. You know, you're running down a trail and you just hit a root or rock or you slip on a switchback or something and you roll your ankle. So you roll your ankle, it hurts, you know, you limp through the rest of your run and you get home and then it swells up like a balloon later that day and you can barely run on it. So you go to the doctor and your doctor looks at it and pushes on it. Well, the first thing they're going to do is try to figure out whether or not you broke anything because that does happen. You know, you can break your ankle if you roll it too hard. And if you do that, then obviously the treatment's different than if you just sprain your ankle. So the first thing the doctor is going to do is try to check and see whether or not you might have a broken bone. Now, there's a specific set of rules that we all follow uh, to determine whether or not you might need x-rays when you sprain your ankle. They're called the Ottawa ankle rules. Uh, but the details of them aren't important, but the important part is that one of the components of the rule, for example, is that if you push on the fibula or the outside ankle bone on the side of your foot and it causes pain, then you should have ankle x-rays to see whether or not there's a broken bone. But here's the point of this, is that if it hurts so much that your whole ankle is swollen, well, the truth is you could push on the back of the fibula, the end of the fibula, you could put on the, push on the talus in front of the fibula, you could push on the lateral process of the talus, which is sitting right under the fibula, because you have so much swelling in the soft tissue around those ligaments on the outside of your ankle that it all hurts. And just because you push on that bone and it's swollen and the soft tissue over the bone hurts, it doesn't mean you need x-rays, it just means you have soft tissue swelling that 
really is, is distended. You're stretching the nerve fibers in the skin. And then when you're pushing on it, it hurts. So in this circumstance, you may have ripped one ligament in your ankle and sprained it really badly, but you haven't broken your fibula. You haven't broken the lateral process of the talus. You haven't broken your heel bone. You know, you haven't broken the neck of your talus. Yet if you push on each of those structures individually, it's still gonna hurt because the doctor's pushing through the soft tissue to the bone. And when you squish that distended swollen tissue, the soft tissue in between the skin and the bone, it hurts. So if you have a lot of pain, you can get misdiagnosed. The most memorable case of this for me was I saw a guy one time who, he was an ultra marathoner and he actually had just won an ultra marathon. So he wasn't like, and I was like, oh, that's impressive. You won your age group? He's like, no, I won the whole thing. So this was not like an, a novice runner, right? This guy's an ultra marathoner. He wins races. He wins not just his age group, the entire event. And he had gone to the, the UCSF run clinic, which is, you know, it's like one of the most prestigious medical institutions in the world. He went to the running institute there, the run clinic at the uh, university to get an assessment. It's a whole team of people where they've got all different kinds of practitioners who look at uh, patients and try to figure out, you know, from the standpoint of a podiatrist and a physical therapist and, you know, all these different specialists, like what they really think might be going on with you. So sounds like a great approach, right? You got an expert team all looking at you at the same time. Well, the deal is he went in and when they evaluated him, it was right after his race and he had hurt himself. He had an issue. The problem is after a race like that, you have so much swelling and that it can hurt when you push on everything. And there's so much inflammation in the soft tissues on the MRI that they basically looked at it. They kind of poked and prodded, but everything was sore. And then based on the MRI, they diagnosed him with one problem that was not his problem at all. He just had lots of inflammation everywhere in the soft tissues and in the bones and everything else because he had just, well, he had just won a trail race, a long one at that. So, you know, if you run 50 miles and you run hard, you're gonna have swelling. You're gonna have inflammation within the bones. You're gonna have inflammations within the soft tissues. So if you get an MRI, it's completely misleading. So the reason it's memorable to me is that, you know, I looked at him and I was like, well, I examined him, I pushed on some things, I listened to his story, I looked at these um, uh, video clips that he had of him running to show his gait style, where he pronates, when he pronates, how its gait changes when he's running barefoot versus shoes. And based on all of that stuff, I could tell for sure. I said, look, this is your problem. This is all that's wrong with you. That other thing is not the problem at all. And this is what you need to do to fix it. And he actually got a little bit upset and he was really kind of mad that they had made the wrong call when he went to this clinic where there's supposedly all these experts. And I just said, look, man, in fairness, you know, you were there the day after your race. There's no way that they could have made a proper assessment. And I actually went back to his MRI and showed him, said, look, I mean, if you look at it, this one thing, it looks really bad on your MRI. And when they pushed on it after seeing your MRI, I'm sure it hurt because probably everything would have hurt. You know, you could have pushed on your big toe and it would have hurt. Everything was inflamed then. And that's one of the problems. So if you, if you have an injury and you're thinking about going to see a doctor, but you push on your foot and it hurts in all kinds of different places, then you're gonna mislead your doctor too. If you wanna simplify that, you can basically just do something like soaking your foot in ice water, doing the contrast bath routine, just applying some ice. Um, whatever, elevating, using compression socks, do something to reduce the inflammation before you go into the doctor for that visit. Because if you have tons of inflammation, tons of swelling, and tons of pain, 
your doctor's going to have a hard time figuring out what the one problem is that's really bothering you. And with most runners, it's one problem. It's one thing. It's one injured structure. It's not everything in your foot or ankle, and you don't need to treat it like it's everything in your foot and ankle. So try to get some of the inflammation in so that you won't have that problem that will lead to a misdiagnosis. Now, the next problem is that your foot doesn't actually hurt enough when you go into the doctor. This is the Doc on the Run podcast. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. What's a virtual doctor visit? The idea of not running at all while waiting for my foot to heal was simply depressing. I really needed a second opinion from an expert, someone who specializes in helping runners. What you'll get from Dr. Segler in my experience is expert runner and medical care that's individualized for your needs. I'm left with actionable steps to recover from my injury. Dr. Segler is different and I felt heard, didn't feel patronized, and I felt like he prioritized getting me back to running as soon as possible as much as I did. I just couldn't see sitting around for six weeks knowing my hard-earned fitness would vanish. I know Dr. Segler is an expert and I wanted to see him in person. But frankly, I just couldn't afford the cost of a house call. I saved enough money to pay for my next marathon registration. You'll have an appointment with Dr. Segler, whether it's via Skype or on the phone. You can expect, one, he's gonna be on time. Two, he's gonna be able to spend more time with you than the typical uh, visit in a doctor's office. And both of those are gonna result in more effective diagnosis and treatment plan for you. I'm a young woman in the Philippines and I hurt my ankle yesterday. I just wanted to say thank you and that it's such a relief to be able to find a website like yours and get some information when I'm in a place with uh, little to no medical care. So I just wanted to call and say thank you. You're awesome. Book a virtual doctor visit and get a second opinion online today. Welcome back to the Doc on the Run podcast. The next problem is that your foot doesn't actually hurt enough when you go into the doctor. I don't know if you've ever had this scenario, but you've ever had a noise in your car that just doesn't seem to make that noise when you take it to the shop. I mean, when I was graduating from medical school, I actually bought a Nissan Xterra. I love that car. I'd always wanted one of those, and I was actually really excited to have it. I mean, it was perfect. I loved it. I, you know, it was great. My bike would fit in it. I could take my climbing gear in it. It was comfortable, whatever. It was an awesome car for me at the time. And I will tell you that it drove me bananas. Every time I drive on a bumpy road, I would hear this little sort of ticking noise because the, the seal in the window would sort of like squeak right by my head and it drove me bananas. I took it into the shop like half a dozen times, could not find the noise, could not reproduce the noise. One of the mechanics actually drove it himself. Like he took it home and stuff for several days to drive it all the time to see if it, like if the temperature changed, it did it. And then they could never figure it out. And the, when I sold that car, I actually remember when the drive, the guy drove away with it, I, I was, the first thought was, I will never have to hear that noise again. So the point here is that, you know, sometimes it's hard to diagnose subtle things. Now, if you've had an injury that's kind of been nagging and it kind of comes and goes, it really props up when you do races or it really kind of pops up again when you're doing a speed workout or a long run, but then it subsides and you can continue to train, those subtle injuries sometimes are difficult to diagnose. The reason for that is that the main thing is the doctor listens to your story and tries to figure out what's going on. Once they hear your story, they kind of come up with this you know, list of things that it might be, which we call the differential diagnosis. And then after we have our differential or our list, we start poking and prodding on your foot, checking for muscle strength, checking if we push on tendons, checking to see what hurts when we, when we mess with your foot. And then we try to make a conclusion about what's really wrong with you. So if we push on a structure and it doesn't hurt, we assume there's nothing wrong with it. So that's the problem is that if you have a really subtle injury and it's not really bothering you, the doctor might push around 
And then they say, I don't really know. I don't see anything wrong. The same as how the mechanic couldn't figure out what was wrong with the door seal on my car. So if that's the case, if you have this really subtle thing, if you can push on your foot and you know where it's sore, well, that's not a problem. That's going to be easy. But if it's been several days since you've been running and your pain has really gone away and you push around in your foot and you yourself can't push on that spot and find something that really reproduces your symptoms and causes the same kind of pain when you run, then it may be difficult for the doctor. So in that case, what you can do is you can go out maybe before you see the doctor and do a short run. You know, do it the day before, or do it the morning of the appointment or something. But you know, don't go crazy, don't go run 30 miles. But if you know that running just like two or three miles will make it a little bit sore and you do that the day before or the day of your appointment, then it may make that subtle injury kind of flare up just a tiny bit, you know, not enough to do some damage, but maybe it'll make it flare up just enough that the doctor will have an easier time finding the one structure that's really messing with you and causing your pain because you've got to get the right diagnosis. So the next reason that doctors uh, make the wrong diagnosis or a misdiagnosis when they see you is that they don't examine your foot closely enough. Now this one to me is the only one, the only reason on the list that is really totally 100% inexcusable. I just don't get it. I do second opinions with people all the time where I will see the patient, patient will tell me they saw someone, I know who the person is, I know they're reputable, I know that they're qualified, everything else, and they will say to me, the doctor never looked at my foot. I actually never even took my shoes off. The doctor heard my, so that sort of comes back to kind of one of these earlier ones, right? The doctor hears your stories, they make a snap decision, they like, oh, okay, this is just plantar fasciitis, you know, so-and-so is gonna give you your instructions, we'll see you back in six weeks. And they don't even look at you. so that is really a problem and I think it's inexcusable. So you're going to the doctor to get expertise. You're going to get somebody who can listen to your story and come up with the most probable thing based on your story and you're getting someone who has a lot of knowledge, experience, and training at looking at your foot, pushing around, testing things, trying to figure out what the real problem is based on the physical exam. So you know that is one reason that um, I think when you go to the doctor, if you're there and you have a problem with your foot, and your doctor doesn't look at your foot, you should stop the doctor and tell them, aren't you gonna look at my foot to make sure, absolutely sure, that it's not something else? I mean, even when I do consultations with runners on, um, on the web, you know, through a web camera where we meet virtually through a virtual doctor visit, I will have them turn the camera around, look at their foot. And if, they, if the lighting's terrible or their camera's terrible or something, then I basically have them push around, ask them a ton of questions. I have them start pushing on things individually. And when we find the thing that hurts, I say, okay, I want you to put your finger on it. I want you to push on it and hold your finger there and take a picture with your phone and send it to me so I can see exactly where that is. And then based on that, I may have them take a couple of more pictures, but you know, many miles away, I mean, I do this with people all over the world and somebody can be in, you know, France and I can see what's going on with their foot. So it's inexcusable when you're in the same room with a doctor and they don't even bother. So that's, the, that's one of the worst ones, I think. But you need to be aware of that, that that does happen sometimes. And even if your doctor seems confident, don't take that as an okay thing. You know, just tell them, look, I want you to just look at it just to be sure. Are you sure it can be something else? And then, you know, and that sometimes can help because many times I think when people have been misdiagnosed, if the doctor just looked a little bit closer, taking a little bit more time, they could have figured it out. So that brings us to the last reason. Now, reason number six is that your doctor's in a rush. Now, I'm sure that every single person listening to this has had an experience where they went in to see a doctor and the doctor was in a rush and they got the wrong diagnosis. I'll tell you my personal horror story with that. This is about as bad as it gets. So I used to race motorcycles professionally. Um, and toward the end of that, I was actually in college. 
my intention was to go to medical school, and I was um, very, very busy. I was doing two degrees. I was doing independent research in organic chemistry. I was also working. I was very, very busy. I was always taking an overload of classes, and I would take an overload through the summer as well. So I had this injury. My, I completely ripped my knee apart. I needed a reconstruction because I tore my ACL, my PCL, and my medial collateral ligaments. So a lot of damage. They had to rebuild it. So the problem is, is that my ACL was actually perforated and partially torn, but my PCL was completely torn. Now that's unusual, but I had an unusual injury. Again, this comes back to that thing about what's common and doctors making a misdiagnosis. So I went to see a guy, great surgeon, you know, taught at a university. He was nice. He was qualified, all the right stuff, had all the right credentials. I go and see him. He looks at me and he heard the story. He looked at my knee, examined me, and he said, yes, you know, you tore your PCL. Um, we're going to have to um, fix that. So, you know, we're going to take a graph and we'll take it out of your, um, your patellar tendon. We'll make a new graph for that. We'll drill some holes through your fibula or through your uh, femur and through your tibia and we'll anchor it in there and we'll recreate that ligament for you. Um, but Tim's going to come in and explain it to you. I said, okay, great, no problem. So he left the room and Tim, the physician's assistant, came in and he, Tim just basically, you know, uh, comes in and says, okay, so we need to schedule you for surgery. You know, let's talk about that. And it's like, okay, great. So, um, you know, I'm in class now. I got class now. I need to finish the semester, but my semester is almost done. So uh, what's the recovery like? Tim says, well, you know, it's really not that bad. We do this all the time. Basically, what you'll do is, you know, with these surgeries, uh, we'll put in a graph and you'll be in a knee brace and then you'll unlock it on like day two or something. So you'll be in, on crutches for like a day. And then you'll have a knee brace, but you'll be able to walk on it. So you'll be able to get around and uh, it shouldn't be too bad. Then, you know, it'll take some time for it to recover before you're doing sports and stuff. But it's a it's a fairly quick return to activity and said, OK, well, you know, my last final is on like a, a Wednesday or something. So I guess I could do it like that Thursday or Friday. And then that'll give me like four days before I have to go back to class on Monday before the summer session starts. Okay, great. So we schedule it. Everything's good, right? So I go to the operating room and they do the surgery. I wake up and the doctor looks at me and he says, okay, everything went great. You know, we were able to do this and that and so on. He gives me the details of the procedure. He says, you'll need to be off of your feet completely on crutches for six to eight weeks. You will need to be in an immobilizer, straight leg immobilizer for two weeks at the outset. After two weeks, we'll take your stitches out and then we'll start moving your knee. To make things worse, he said, you'll basically need to be in bed for the next one to two weeks to let it heal. And I said, what are you talking about? Tim told me this would be like two days. I got class on Monday and I have to go to work all next week and I'm gonna be standing the entire day at work after I'm in class. And he said, well, you won't be able to do that. You'll just have to, you know, not go to work and uh, you'll have to have somebody help you out around the house. And I was just like, you're confused. Like I'm working my way through school and that's not possible. So to make a long story short, I um, found out what happened was Tim thought it was an ACL reconstruction, which is very common. I had a PCL reconstruction, which is completely and totally different and not very common at all. So through that very small miscommunication, I ended up with a really difficult situation because I had to go to class. I'm on crutches. It's like two miles across campus to the classes I had to go to from the parking lot. And then on top of that, because I was on crutches and had such early activity, I got a blood clot in my leg and wound up with a huge complication and was back in the hospital. So this is not a good thing. And it happened all because the doctor and his assistant were both in a rush. So when you have something, you know, like a 
uh, what seems like plantar fasciitis and the doctor's in a rush, trust me, you're low man on the totem pole. And you go in like, oh, it's just plantar fasciitis. You know, if you just run a little bit less, it'll go away. But then it doesn't go away. So months later, you're still scratching your head trying to figure out why you've got heel pain when you step out of bed in the morning. And it's because it's not plantar fasciitis. So the doctor gave you the information for plantar fasciitis and then the assistant came and explained to you what to do about it. And you've been doing all that stuff religiously and you're not improving and you're confused. Well, that's because you had the misdiagnosis based on the fact that the doctor was just rushed. You know, the doctor was in a hurry, didn't really figure out what was wrong with you, sounded like something common, and then they sent you on the way with the wrong instructions because they got the wrong diagnosis. So that's the thing. You need to make sure that these things happen. You need to understand that they happen. You make, make sure that it doesn't happen to you above all else. So whenever you go into the doctor, make sure that you give them the full story. Make sure that you slow them down and give them the rest of the story even if it seems like they've already switched onto you know, that whole, like I've already made a decision process and make sure they look at you, examine you and they know where it really hurts on your foot so that you don't get a misdiagnosis. That's the crucial part. So just remember when you go into the doctor, you need to get your questions answered. You need to like not let them rush you along and you need to make sure you get the right diagnosis. So if you go in and you get the right treatment for the right problem, you're gonna get better. If you've been diagnosed, you're not gonna get better. So if you've been diagnosed and you like the doctor, you trust the doctor, but you're not getting better, you only have a couple of options. Either see somebody else, get a second opinion, or go back to the doctor, call the doctor's office and just say, look, I'm doing all this stuff, I'm really doing it, and I'm concerned that I don't have the right diagnosis because I'm not getting better at all, I'm not improving. And it's totally fair to do that. So. You have to make sure you stay on track. Remember, if you get a misdiagnosis, you're not gonna get back to running because you're just not gonna get better when you're doing the wrong treatment because you have a completely different problem. If you have a question that you would like answered as a future edition of the Doc on the Run podcast, send it to me and then make sure you join me in the next edition of the Doc on the Run podcast. Thanks again for listening.